Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grove Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Nick and I have the honor and privilege of pastoring the Grove Church right here in Fontana, California. Here at the Grove, our vision is to see our community grow closer to Christ, be givers like Christ, and reintroduce the lost to Christ. And my prayer is that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged, you'll grow a little in your faith, and you wouldn't just hear the word, but you would become a doer of the word. But I wouldn't just stop there. I encourage you to share this message with your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, and anyone else you can think of. And after you do that, follow us on social media and visit our website at yourgrovechurch.org to learn more about who we are as a ministry and how you can get involved and plugged in right here at The Grove. I'm excited for you to hear this message. I can't wait. So get your notes ready and let's dive all the way in together. All right, so here's where we are going today. Open your Bibles to, uh, we're going to look at Hoel chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 20. So Hoel chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. Um, we'll read this text and then we will get into our message today. All right, so Hoel chapter 1, here's what it says. It says, the word of the Lord that came to Hoel, son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders, listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell it to your children. Let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, the other locusts have eaten. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Well, all you drinkers of wine. Well, because of the new wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. We're going to break down what all of this means and get into what is happening here. Joel chapter 1, verse 6, it says, A nation has invaded my land, a mighty army without number, it has, left, it has the teeth of a lion, the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vines and ruined my fig trees. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it away, leaving their branches white. Mourn like a virgin in sackcloth, grieving for the betrothed of her youth. Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests are in mourning. Those who minister before the Lord, they are in mourning because of what is happening, what Hoel is explaining here. The fields are ruined. The ground is dried up. The grain is destroyed. The new wine is dried up. The olive oil fails. Everything is falling apart here. Despair, you farmers. Well, you vine growers. Grieve for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field is destroyed. Verse 12, the vine is dried up and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the people's joy is withered away. Put on sackcloth, sack you priests, and mourn. Well, you who minister before the altar, come spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God, for the grain offerings and drink offerings are withered from the house of your God. 
Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas, for that day, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Has not the food been cut off before our very eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seeds are shriveled beneath the clouds. The storehouses are in ruins. The granaries have been broken down for the grain has dried up. How the cattle moan, the herds mill about because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep are suffering. To you, Lord, I call. So all of this is happening. And here's what Joel's response is. To you, Lord, I call for fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness and flames have burned up all the trees of the field. Even the wild animals pant for you and the streams of water have dried up and fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness. Here's the title of my message. The title of my message is this. This is nothing new. Look at someone and say, this is nothing new. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this message. Lord, I pray that you would allow me to deliver it and people would hear it in the same way that you've gave it to me, full of life, full of encouragement, full of challenge, full of just everything that you are, God. And so we pray that we would hear it and we would become doers of this word, God. Let it push us into action, God. Let us take this word into our sphere of influence, our friends, family, whoever it may be, Lord, and let it challenge us and let it be, let it be uh, sown deep into our hearts. So even when we walk away from here, we would not forget it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, so all of this stuff is happening that Hoel is talking about in this text. And it, when you go down and you begin to read this, let's go back just a little bit. If we look at verse two, it says, hear this, you elders, listen all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days? This kind of feels very familiar, right? We are experiencing things that we can look to the previous generation and the generation before us and ask the question, has this ever happened in your lifetime prior to the last few years, you might be aware of what a pandemic is or what an epidemic is, but had you ever gone through it or experienced it? And if you asked anyone, even before your time, they might've said, not really. So this is something that is, the, the book of Hoel doesn't always get the love that it deserves, but in these times it's so relevant. When you go through and you read chapter one, if you read the whole book, which we're gonna to try to break down the whole book today, but when you go through and you read it, you realize that what is happening for the people feels very familiar to what is happening for us. And that is why the message is this is nothing new. For them in this time, this was very new to them, right? So here he is talking about, have you ever seen this happen in your days? Have you ever been in a pandemic? Have you ever dealt with political issues? Have you ever dealt with social injustice in the way that we've been dealing with it over the last few years? For Hoel back in this day, this, this, what is actually happening is very similar to what is happening in our 
day. So he's talking about tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. These are lessons that are being passed down from generation to generation. And in other words, he's saying, listen, this is something we've never seen before, that we'll be talking about this for generations to come because of how potent and because of how different this experience has been. What we've been experiencing is something that we will talk about for years and years and years to come because it's so different than what we've ever experienced before. In verse four, he says, what the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, the other locusts have eaten. And so you can take that and you can think about uh, think about all the different variants of COVID that we've experienced, right? So on one end, it was like, okay, here's this first wave. Okay, now we got over that wave. Then there's another wave. Okay, now we got over that wave. Then there's another wave. So thing after thing after thing keeps happening. And this is very, again, very parallel to what we might experience today. Thing after thing after thing. And maybe this is different in your personal life. Maybe there's there's... Uh, the different types of locusts or the different type of variants that are occurring in your life. Maybe at one point you were dealing with a sickness and then the next minute you were dealing with job loss or the next minute you were dealing with relationship challenges and struggles and then the next minute you were dealing with your kids going crazy. Whatever it is, thing after thing after thing keeps happening is what Hoel is describing here talks about how, how the new wine, and it talks about how it's been snatched from our lips. In other words, anything growing or any development or anything good in the very simplest terms is being snatched from us. Any life, any harvest, the harvest they're describing is being destroyed here. So thing after thing keeps happening. This sounds very similar to what we experience Today And I know this pandemic, I know we've been talking about this, and this has been a topic of conversation for the last few years, uh, but one of the things that's interesting is that people, even in the beginning of this, and even now, are asking a very similar question. Is it over yet? Like, or when will this be over? And it's frustrating because this feels very indefinite. Right. It feels like this is not going away. It feels like things are not changing. As a matter of fact, it feels like it's getting worse. In L.A., in Los Angeles County, there are certain areas that are going back to mask mandates. They're going back to distancing requirements. And it's starting to feel like what we're experiencing is the new normal. And so it's to the point now where certain things within this pandemic are repeating their, themselves to the point where we can look up and say, this is nothing New. We've been here before. We've had to mask before. We've had to distance before. This is nothing new. Look at your neighbor and say, welcome to the new normal. But I think Hoel's experience, and when I think about his experience for he and the people, they were in uncharted territory at that time. They weren't sure what was going on. They weren't sure if anyone had ever experienced this before. However, for us, it's very similar to what Ecclesiastes has to say when it describes that there is nothing new under the sun. What has been will be again. And this is, feels like what we're experiencing today. There's nothing new that this is, this is what we've experienced before. We've experienced heartache before. We've experienced troubles before. We've experienced difficult situations before. This is nothing 
knew. And knowing this, even in the midst of our frustration or the feelings of this infinite pandemic, there are some practical lessons that we can learn from Hoel about how we should go about these experiences and how we should respond to these experiences. And so that's what we wanna look at today. We wanna to look at what are the things that Hoel teaches us based on the experience that the people were going through at that time with the different invasions of the locusts and, and everything that was happening in, in Hoel chapter one, there are some things that I think we can take away and we can learn from. There's this term, right, when, when I'm thinking about you know, experiences that we go through and challenges and fights and, and things that, that are unfavorable to us. There's this term called uh, fight or flight. And essentially, here's how, how we might describe it. The fight or flight response is an automatic physiological reaction to, event, to an event that is perceived as stressful or frightening. So we've been through some stressful or frightening situations recently. And so what is your response going to be? Is it going to be a fight or a flight? The perception of threat in this fight or flight response activates the sympathetic nervous system and triggers an acute stress response that prepares the body to fight or flee. So in other words, when you're faced with a challenge or, just, or a stressful situation, your body and your mind is gonna do one of two things. It is either going to go into fight mode and you are going to react by going against what is happening or you are going to go in flight mode, which is to flee from the situation and run away. When we are faced with adversity, what do we do is the question. When we're faced with adversity, what do we do? Do we fight or do we flee? For Hoel, Hoel teaches us how to fight. He's our teacher today. He's our self-defense instructor today. The Bible doesn't just give us a whole lot of background about Hoel, but one of the things that we do know is that his father was Pethuel, meaning mouth of God or persuasion of God. And so for Hoel, you can imagine that when he's facing difficult challenges, such as what we read about in chapter one, you can imagine what his response might be. And then when you think about his name, his name, Hoel, it basically means it's two names of God put together. It's Yahweh and Elohim, meaning Yahweh is God. So if anybody is deputized to teach us about how to respond to things that are unfavorable, it is the person whose father's name means persuasion of God and whose individual name means Yahweh is God. He is an instructor for us today. And so that tells me all we need to know about Hoel and his experience and why he is fit to teach us about fight or flight or dealing with difficult situations. Most scholars believe that the book of Hoel is split into two sections. You have the first part, which is partly what we read. So Hoel chapter one and all of Hoel chapter two uh, up to verse 27, which deals with the present judgment of God or a call to repentance and a promise of restoration. That is what Hoel chapter one through, verse two, through chapter two, verse 27 deals with. Basically, it deals with how people should respond to what they are experiencing presently. And then the second half of the book is all about Hoel explaining that the plague that we've described in chapter one, as horrible as it may be, is nothing compared to the judgment of God that is coming. And so he does two things. He describes how should you respond when things aren't going well? 
And it's a question for all of us to ask ourselves, how do we respond when things aren't going well? What do we do? What mode is activated? Is it the flight or is it the fight? What is the thing that we look to when in the midst of adversity and how do we respond? Hoel teaches us what we should do in the midst of adversity. And then he also teaches us that, you know what? All of this stuff that we're experiencing, it's difficult, it's challenging, it's rough, it's terrible, it feels like it's never gonna end, but none of this compares to what is going to come. In, in chapter one, verses one through 20, Hoel is detailing this invasion of the locusts and how devastating it is. He even uses four different Hebrew words for locusts to paint this picture of four separate ways. Right. So he talks about uh, separately, he talks about the chewing locust and then the swarming locust and the crawling locust and the consuming locust. So basically four different strains of locusts. It was all bad. Look at your neighbor say it was all bad. The people, the animal, everybody were everybody was being killed off in this moment. So you can get a sense of how terrible it was during this time. Hoel could only see it one way, though. He could only see it one way. And that was from the viewpoint that God was judging his people. He is prophesying about this unprecedented times. And to the point where he even turns to the elders and says, has anything like this ever happened in your lifetime? Every generation is going to know how devastating these unprecedented times were. It was that bad. However, watch what Hoel how he responds. He doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just focus his attention on the present condition of the people and their response. But in the midst of a locust swarm, in the midst of all this destruction, in the midst of a pandemic, he reminds the people to lament. In other words, he reminds the people to repent, to pray, to fast, to turn to God. He was using this opportunity to remind people that, yes, I know it looks bad right now, and there's destruction all around, and, and you, you, you can see everything that's happening and how it's tearing people apart, but consider the fact that there is actually going to come a day when this pandemic will feel lightweight. Um, it's going to be the least of our worries. This is how he's trying to encourage the people. He says it's going to fail in comparison to what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. What's, is it, what's going to happen in the end times? He's basically saying, listen, I know how rough it seems, but this is nothing compared to what's going to happen. I wonder how many of us as believers in the midst of a storm or worry or issues or challenges, how many of us have stopped short of communicating the real message in the middle of the hardship that God has called us to deliver because we're allowing what we see physically to inform our faith instead of allowing our faith to inform what we see. So when we go through troubles, when we go through challenges, I wonder how many of us actually press forward with the message God has given us and the purpose God has given us or actually takes a step back and shrinks a little bit. Hoel saw something in this devastation that no one else could see. He saw what God was doing in the midst of everything that was happening. I wonder how many of us actually see what God is doing in the midst of everything that's happening in our lives. Like how many of us actually can see what God is trying to do? I know what it looks like on the surface and I know how it feels in the moment, but are we actually paying attention and thinking about what is God actually trying to do 
in the midst of all of this. In fact, what you'll find when, when studying Hoel is the fact that he was basically making the announcement that God sent the plague in order to awaken his people from their spiritual dullness. So all this stuff is happening and what Hoel is saying is like, listen, pay attention to what God is doing in this moment. He is trying to awaken you from your spiritual dullness. Over the last few years, how many people have recognized that what God is trying to do is wake us up from spiritual dullness? We thought church was, was the, the end all be all. We thought gathering was, that's, that's the only place that we could experience God. And yet when everything was shut down, when we couldn't gather, when we couldn't be together, how did you, how were you sustained in those moments? Or was your faith and everything that you experienced and everything that you believed, was it predicated on the fact that the doors of the church were open? Or in the middle of closures, in the middle of everything happening, were you still able to seek God in those moments? In reality, what Hoel is saying is that it's less about what is happening to the people externally, but it's more about what God is trying to do internally. Right. It's less about the things that we experience around us. And it's more about what is God trying to do on the inside of us. And so Hoel is teaching us that in this moment and, and Hoel is aware and he acknowledges the current plight of the people and 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 prayed about it. But but he also warned the people about what was coming and got them prepared so they were ready. If, if this message and Hoel is meant to teach us about how to respond in difficult challenges. One of the things that we have to understand is that difficult challenges will come. There will be a next. There will be something else that we face. And when we look at that thing, our response should be, this is nothing new. I've been here before. I've been challenged before. I've been hit with different things before. So this is nothing new. And Hoel teaches us, and he's gonna show us five distinct things that we have to do as Christians in the midst of troubles as we're experiencing it, not just trouble of a pandemic. I know we've been talking about that, but it's not just that type of trouble that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the trouble that we experience when the enemy tries to make us think that we're less than, when he tries to make us feel like we're worthless, when he tries to make us feel like we, we can't do what God has called us to do, when he tries to make us feel like the tail and not the head. In the midst of those circumstances, the thing that sneaks up on us and the things that tries to steal our joy, in the midst of those circumstances, how do we respond? How do we react? And so Hoel is teaching us, and the first thing that Hoel teaches us in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of the things that we go through, he teaches us to acknowledge the fight. He teaches us to acknowledge the fight, acknowledge what is happening. And when I say acknowledge the fight, what I mean is twofold. First thing is to accept or admit the existence of this fight and the fact that it's a spiritual battle, right? So it's never, it's, it, we shouldn't have these moments of cluelessness where we feel like, man, why am I being attacked? Especially when we are pursuing purpose, especially when we are doing what God has called us to do. We should never have a moment of oblivion where we're starting to feel like, well, I'm not sure why this is happening, or I'm not sure why I'm experiencing this, or I'm not sure why all of a sudden things feel like they're falling apart. The first thing that we have to understand is that anytime we are pursuing purpose, there's a spiritual battle that is going to take place. But the second thing we have to do is we have to see it and we have to pray about it. Once we've seen it and we realize what is actually happening, it doesn't stop there. We actually have to go into fight mode and start praying about what 
we are seeing. All of chapter one of Hoel finds Hoel acknowledging the fight he is in and he's acknowledging the destruction as well. Here's what he says in chapter one, verse one. He says, has anything like this ever happened before? And then he goes in verses six through seven. He says, a vast army of locusts have invaded my land a terrible army, too numerous to count. Its teeth are like lion's teeth. Its fangs like those of a lioness. It has destroyed my grapevines and ruined my fig trees, stripping their bark and destroying it, leaving the branches white and bare. Howell's acknowledging what is actually happening. He's not sugarcoating it. He's not blaming. He's acknowledging what is actually happening. But he has a moment in verse 19 where he says, to you, Lord, I call. In other words, Hoel is in this moment and he's seeing and he's acknowledging the fight and he's acknowledging all of this, the destruction. But instead of sitting there and dwelling on what is happening, he's saying, listen, to you, Lord, I call. Or in, in the New Living Translation, uh, it, it translates to Lord, help us. So in the midst of all that's happening, Hoel is basically saying, Lord, help us. How many of us in the midst of our situations have that same mindset, Lord, help us? Or do we sit and dwell on what we're experiencing and we allow what we're experiencing to eat away at us instead of crying out to God and praying about what we're seeing? And I'm, just, I'm not talking about just praying about it one time. I'm not talking about going through something, praying about it and assuming that it's going to get better. And when it doesn't get better, you just move on with life. No, I mean like truly crying out to God until we see a change in circumstance. Hoel's Lord help us is, man, until this thing changes, I am calling out to God. We have to have this spiritual maturity to understand that what is happening around us is coming from the enemy. That it's a spiritual attack and we've got to fight as such and then turn to prayer in the midst of those situations and allow God to handle those situations. Here's what Psalms chapter, Psalm chapter 34, verse 17 says. It says, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all of their troubles. So when I'm dealing with the situation that is unfavorable, when I'm dealing with the challenge, when I'm dealing with the fight, when I'm dealing with the struggle, when I reach out to God and I call out to God for help, the Bible is clear about the people and God's people. When they call out to God, he hears them and he rescues them from their trouble. So we have a confidence that no matter how bad the situation is, if I just call out to God, he's going to help and he's going to relieve what I am experiencing. If we could see it from this perspective, the perspective that reminds us that God is behind the scenes working, we visualize this fight not causing our lives to fall apart, but actually causing things to fall into place. That's always the challenge is that when things feel like they're falling apart, how can I have a perspective shift and realize that because God is in the midst of it, because God is working behind the scenes, it's actually not falling apart, but it's actually falling into place. It goes back to Romans chapter eight, where it says, God works all things out for our good for those who love him and are called by him. So when things are going the wrong way, when it feels like from the outside, things are falling apart, they are actually falling into place. 
Because where we see mountains, where we see insurmountable circumstances, God actually sees molehills. When we think something is so far above our heads and so out of our control, God actually is in control and he's taking care of those things. Don't let our faith be so small that we forget that God is actually working behind the scenes. Another verse in Psalm chapter 24, verse 18 through, 15, 18 through 19, it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time for the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. So not one of them is broken. Another scripture to remind us how God takes care of us. Since God is fully aware of what is going on down here, there's nothing for us to worry about except for how we are using this time to glorify God. So instead of being in the midst of these challenges and thinking like, man, God doesn't hear us. God is not listening. God is not seeing what is going on. We have to take the perspective and shift our mindsets to be glorifying God in the moment. We are spending more time talking about our situations and our struggles and our challenges than we are just taking it to God and allowing him to deal with it and allowing him to be in control in the midst of everything we're experiencing. I love, uh, what I love about Hoel is that he didn't let the issues in front of him deter him from his message and his responsibility, right? Hoel knew he had a message. He was a prophet. He knew he had to deliver the word to the people. He knew that he was going through the same troubles and the same circumstances that the people were going through, but that didn't stop him from delivering the message to the people. So he's acknowledging the fight. Hoel teaches us in, in all of the circumstances that we go through that we have to respond with faith. And I know, I know that feels like a redundant point when we start talking, when, when we're in church and we're starting to talk about what God is doing. I, I know it feels very redundant to say, and it seems very elementary to say respond with faith, but it's actually harder than it looks to respond with faith because sometimes it's easier to respond with fear. Sometimes it's easier to just be afraid of what we're experiencing. Sometimes it's easier to just go through certain circumstances and experience certain things and not respond with faith. But we have to make the decision to respond with faith. In a time where Hoel could have seen the calamity around him and gave up, he reminded the people of who God is. He could have spoke out of fear, but he spoke out of faith and he gave the people instructions on how to respond. So it wasn't just a matter of this is happening, let's all run to the hills, but he was responding from a place of faith. Here's what Hoel chapter two says, verse 13 through 14. And we didn't read this, but here's what I, I, I wanna break this down. It says, return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Who knows, perhaps he will give you a reprieve sending you a blessing instead of this curse. Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to your Lord God as before. So Hoel was basically saying, I know what it looks like, but here's what you could do instead. Instead of responding in fear, instead of responding from this place of woe is me, if you respond by faith, maybe God will turn, maybe God will change the circumstances. Perhaps he will give you a reprieve is what he says. 
if you respond by faith. Here's what the message version says. He says, but there is also this. It's not too late. God's personal message. Come back to me and really mean it. Come fasting and weeping. Sorry for your sins. Change your life, not just your clothes. Come back to God, your God. And here's why. Because God is kind and merciful. He takes a deep breath, puts up with a lot. This, this most patient God, extravagant in love, always ready to cancel catastrophe. Maybe he'll do it now. Maybe he'll turn around and show pity. Maybe when it's all said and done, there'll be blessings full and robust for your God. And so if we respond by faith, if we respond from a place of, man, I know what it looks like, but God is still working. God is still moving. Maybe things will change and look different. Faith is all about having a different response contrary to what you're experiencing and what you're feeling. In the moment when you're feeling like devastation or in the moment when you're feeling like crushed or in the moment where you're feeling like, man, this will never change. If you respond with favorable talk, even to yourself, things will turn around. Man, this is gonna get better. Or man, this is only happening for now. Or man, I'm experiencing this for now. I know that things are going to get better. I know what it looks like, but this is not the end of the situation. Things will change. If you respond with that kind of self-talk, things inevitably will change and get better. Because the reality, and I know we've said this in recent weeks, but the reality is that what you feed grows and what you starve dies. If you feed the message of fear in your lives, fear lives. If you feed the message of faith, faith lives. If you feed into the fear and worry of those around you, it's only going to grow. And I know that's been what's happening over the last few years is that as others have gotten paranoid and insecure and have felt like things are going down the drain and life is ending as we know it, we've fed into that fear and we've, we've basically allowed people to make us feel fearful as well instead of responding as Christians should respond from a place of faith. People should look to you as a light and encouragement during these difficult times and, and instead of thinking like, man, if they're worried about it, well, then there must be something wrong. So how can you be a light to other people? How can you respond to faith even when things aren't great for you, even when you feel like things are going terrible? Even when you feel like, man, I should have gotten that increase or man, I should have gotten that promotion or man, I'm losing my job. How do you still respond from a place of faith when things are also going terribly for you? Not only because you know that it changes your circumstances, but when people see you responding from a place of faith, it encourages their faith and allows them to respond from a place of faith as well. How can you respond in such a way that is gonna encourage other people? It's not time to dim the lights or play small when things go wrong in our life. Now is the time to play big and bold for the kingdom of God. Now is the time to show like, man, my faith is on full display. We are responsible if we've wasted all of the struggles and the challenges that we've gone through and we haven't learned anything from it. We're responsible for that because it's not about what is happening to me. It's all about what is God teaching me. What is God trying to show me in this situation? And that faith perspective shift allows us to learn from the situations. And not only that, but it allows us to grow from the situations. And when we are growing and when we are learning from what we're going through, it helps us for the next thing that we're going to go through. It helps us have the response like, man, this is nothing new. I've been here before 
and here's how I'm going to respond. So you are responsible if you go through something and you don't learn what God is trying to do in that moment. Hoel chapter two, verses 15 through 17, it says, blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem, announce a time of fasting, call the people together for a solemn meeting, gather all the people, the elders, the children, and even the babies, call the bridegroom from his quarters and the bride from her private room. Let the priests who minister in the Lord's presence stand and weep between the entry room to the temple and the altar. Let them pray, spare your people, Lord. Don't let your special possession become an object of mockery. Don't let them become a joke for unbelieving foreigners who say, has the God of Israel left them? In other words, respond with faith. Cry aloud to God and see what God does in that moment. Make the choice today to respond to your challenging circumstances with full faith. And like we've said in recent weeks, and not full of fear. Here's the next thing Hoel shows us from this text. Believe God for favor. In the midst of things that don't seem fair or feel like, man, this is just terrible. I'm just being assaulted by the enemy and things continue to happen. Believe God for favor. One of the things that I believe we take for granted is how much God desires to bless us. And that it may feel like in the moment that, man, like what, what is happening? Why are you allowing this to happen? But ultimately, God desires to bless us. Look what Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says. And I know we typically will use this for a tithe and offering scripture, but here's what it says. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord, heavens, the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. God desires to bless those who are doing what he has called them to do. He desires to bless us. He doesn't desire that things would be terrible for us throughout our life. He desires to bless us, even the battles that we go through. Again, if we learn from it, then we are developing and we're growing and it allows us to respond to the next bit of adversity with a deeper understanding of what God is doing and deeper faith in that moment. God desires to bless us through everything that we're experiencing. So we have to believe God for favor. We have to believe for his favor, even in the toughest situations when things don't feel like they're getting better, even in those moments, if we're gonna respond with faith, we've gotta believe God for favor in those moments. He desires to bless us. He sees us as his people and he wants nothing more than for us to be blessed. In Matthew chapter six, verses 26 through 33, here's what it says. It says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about wildflowers that are, for, that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of un 
believers. Let's pause for a minute and just reflect on what he's saying in Matthew chapter 6. He's basically saying that when we worry and when we care about these trivial things, these are the thoughts of unbelievers. And so why would I worry? Why would I be concerned about these things, about these circumstances that I'm going through? I have full faith and confidence in Jesus Christ that what is happening is not whether, even though it doesn't feel good to me, that what is happening is good for me and it's helping me to grow. Continues on in this text and it says, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. He desires to bless us. He desires to take care of us. He desires for us to live fruitful lives. And so in the midst of all of our challenges, if we just respond and believe God for favor, I have no doubt that God is gonna respond favorably to our situations. We have to learn how to pray these bold prayers and not pray these small prayers or believe that any prayer is too small for God. We have to believe that God cares about everything from the big to the small to the in-between. No matter how big or small your troubles are, if you believe for God, if you believe for God to, to have favor on you in those situations and to bestow favor in, those, in the midst of that, that situation, God will respond in that way. Zechariah chapter 10, verse one puts it this way. It says, ask the Lord for rain in the spring. For he makes the storm clouds and he will send showers of rain. So every field becomes a lush pasture. Zechariah reminds the people of Judah that God controls the rain, even in the time of the latter rain or spring, when one assumes there will be sufficient rain. God controls all of that spiritually applied. Only God can send sufficient blessings and power to enable us. And so in the midst of our seasons, we have to trust God for the rain. We have to trust God that in the drought or in the situations that feel like a spiritual drought, that God will bestow favor and blessings on us in the midst of those situations. God responds to our faith by blessing us. God responds to our faith in those moments. And so we have to believe that no matter how difficult, no matter how challenging the things around us are, God responds to our, faith, to our faith. The spirit of God being poured out on all men and women, regardless of gender, age, class, was an unprecedented thing for Hoel and the people, but he prophesies this in the midst of what he's experiencing. He's prophesying this favor and he's promising this favor. And as a result of the people believing God for favor, this is how God said he's going to respond. I'm going to pour my spirit out on all of you and all of you will prophesy because of their response of faith and because they believed God for favor. All it takes is that step of faith. If you believe God for favor, he will respond. And the other thing that we have to remember in the midst of our troubles is that, remember that this battle is fixed, right? Like I can't, I, I never wanna go into a battle or a situation or deal with something and feel like, man, I've already lost. Like I'm already defeated. That is not a faith response. When I go through a situation, I wanna go through it remembering that the battle is fixed. And not only that, but it's fixed in our favor. 
that when I experience things that it's just temporary, the battle is fixed in our favor. God is not surprised by the battles we're facing. God is not surprised when things don't go well in our life. He's already handling it behind the scenes. God was not surprised by anything that's happened in the last three years. We did not have to wake God up. We did not have to tell God what was happening. We, we, have, we should have full confidence and faith that God already knows what's happening because he's already fixed the battle in our favor. A.W. Tozer, he has this quote and he says, while these times may feel like nothing we've ever done or known before, God does not learn. So while to us it might feel like we've never experienced this before, God does not learn. God is not in that moment learning, oh shoot, you're going through something, I better go respond. God is not learning like, oh man, at three o'clock, this person is gonna have this horrible action. God does not learn. God understands everything that we are experiencing. And the Bible describes that we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with what we're feeling or experiencing. He knows all of that. Anytime I find myself in a situation where it feels like it's getting the best of me, I'm reminded of Job, of all people who are in the midst of what he was experiencing. If you read through the book of Job, God was allowing what was happening. The enemy cannot do anything without God allowing it to take place. So here we see Job in this moment and the enemy comes around and he says, have you considered your servant Job? Or God says, God says to the enemy, have you considered my servant Job? And the enemy says, well, you know that you have your hand on Job and you know that you're protecting him from anything that happens. And God says to the enemy, okay, I'm gonna allow you to do whatever you wanna do. Because in this moment, it was a testing of Job's faith. So when I'm experiencing something, I think back to Job and I think like, man, is this just a moment of God testing my faith? Because when I remember what God and the conversation that God and the enemy is having, I remember that whatever happens, whatever God allows in that moment, I understand that he's still protecting me as well. So even though it doesn't feel great, even though it doesn't feel favorable, I know that God is covering and God is watching and God sees everything that is happening in that moment. So I don't have to worry. I don't have to be stressed out. I don't have to be fearful because I know that the battle was fixed. I know that God is covering and God is watching me. I know that, I see that, and I can trust that in the midst of every battle that I face. What we have to remember as believers is that that God is not surprised by what we experience. On a day-to-day -day basis, there's nothing that we go through that is shocking or surprising God, nothing. Everything that you are experiencing, God is aware of. It is not a surprise to him. God does not sleep on us. We don't have to wake him up. He's not surprised that we found ourselves in a difficult situation again. He is fully aware. We, we, might have, we might have spent time praying and asking, where are you, God? And what are you doing in the midst of this situation? Why are things so hard? Why are things so contentious? Why am I faced with such ten tension in my personal life? You might be asking or feeling like God has forsaken you, but God is always present. And even if you have those feelings, Jesus had those feelings as well. In the midst of, in, in the midst of Jesus facing one of the toughest challenges in his life, being Going, knowing that he was going to the cross to be crucified, 
he has this moment where he says, why have you forsaken me? So even Jesus has a moment where he feels like, man, it feels like I'm all alone out here. Like, what is going on? But in all of that, Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. So when I'm faced with a challenge and I feel like I'm being left alone and I don't feel like the battle is fixed in my favor, I have to remember, not my will, but yours be done. And when I relinquish all of the control and when I allow God to do what he's going to do, that is when our faith kicks in and he shows us that this battle is fixed. And no matter what you feel in the moment, you've already won. You've already overcome the situation, even if it doesn't feel like it in the moment. And here's the last thing that Hoel shows us in this text. He shows us to look forward, look forward. No matter how difficult the circumstance is, Hoel is looking forward and he's saying, listen, if you all would just respond by faith, if you all would just respond this way, if you all would just look to the things that God is doing, if you would just move forward and not worry about the things that you've experienced, I know it feels new and I know it feels like this is getting the best of you, but look forward to the day of the Lord. In other words, look forward to not just the situation and how it's turning out for you, but look forward to how God is turning that situation for your good. We get so caught up in the moment of how terrible things feel and what we're experiencing. But if we just look up and look forward and we look to the hills for which cometh our help and we look for God to respond and we look for God to take care of things, if we just look forward, God will show us, I got this all under control. Hoel's having this moment where he's like, man, look forward to the day of the Lord, when God is going to pour out his spirit on all of us, don't worry about your present troubles or these light and momentary afflictions. Don't be worried about these temporary things that we're seeing, but look forward to what God is doing. Look forward to how God is going to get the glory out of this situation. Look forward to how you're going to come out refined from the fire. Look forward to how you're going to be more than a conqueror. Look forward to how this situation and this challenge is making you stronger and bigger and better in the situation. Look forward to all of those things and stop looking in the rearview mirror. When things are happening, when things feel so troublesome, all you have to do is look up and look forward and trust that God is still going to get glory out of this situation. That even when it doesn't feel like it, when it, even when it feels like things are failing and things are falling apart, if you can look forward, not only are you speaking faith, but you are visualizing and you're allowing your faith to be operative and you're looking forward and you're saying, I know what it looks like right now, but God is doing something. And at the end of this thing, at the end of this thing, I will be better forward. So I'm going to look forward. I'm not going to worry about what I'm experiencing in the moment. I'm not going to worry about how challenging it is. I'm not going to dwell on what's happening in this moment, but I'm going to respond by faith and I'm going to look forward. What does that look like practically? That looks like even when situations feel like they're getting worse and worse, I am still looking ahead to, man, I can't wait to see how this makes me better. 
I can't wait to see how, even though it feels very tough right now, I can't wait to see how I am developing from this situation. To look forward, it's a matter of just asking God to show you, show you, what, are, what is this for? What, why am I going through this? What, am I, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? And I wanna visualize the lesson that I'm learning right now and how I'm putting that into action in the future. So if I'm going through a sickness, if I'm going through a challenge, what I wanna look forward to is, man, when I get over this, how can I help somebody else overcome? How can I encourage somebody else's faith? When I'm battling depression and I feel like I'm all alone, how do I help somebody else? How can I look forward and think like, man, this is just a temporary moment. I don't have to live like this forever. I don't have to deal with this forever. I don't have to be in this fight forever. But I know that God is with me. And if I just look up, if I just look forward, I will see the light at the end of the tunnel. I will see him as opposed to my situation. And every time I gaze upon the Lord, every time I look to the Lord, every time I lean on the Lord in the midst of my troubles, he helps me and he pulls me out of these situations. And you can think about it this way. It's easy to look for it when you've already dealt with certain things and you've already made it out of those things. And so you can say to yourself, listen, I've already come through enough battles to realize that God has not left me. God will never leave me. And so if he brought you through every fight up until this point, what makes you think he's going to stop now? What makes you think that God is just going to forget about you? God is just going to forget that you exist and who you are and that he created you and that there's a purpose on the inside of you? What makes you think that just because, what makes, what about this battle makes you think that God has forgotten about you? Because he hasn't. All he's waiting for you to do is look to him, look forward, look up and see how he delivers you from this battle. And he'll continue to do that for every subsequent battle after this one. We have to look forward. Bow your head. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope it blessed you and pray that whatever you take away today gets sown deep into your heart and you apply it to your day-to-day -day life. If it was as good to you as it was good to me, please share this message with someone and let's continue to grow together. Part of our vision here at The Grove is to be givers like Christ. If you were blessed by today's message and you wanna partner with us in your giving, all you have to do is text GIVE to 844-831-4106 or visit yourgrovechurch.org slash give. If you're looking for a community to be a part of, we would love for you to call the Grove Church home. And to get connected to us, you can simply text GO to 844-813-5747 or shoot us a DM on one of our social media platforms. I pray blessings over you wherever you are and wherever you go and can't wait for you to join us next time. Peace.